0: You're listening to the A Scully cast brought to you by www.ascully.com. And here are your hosts, A Scully and Sid Talk. Sid Talk, Hello. welcome. So, what's Hello. Up, Hello. What's, <laughs> what's the before? That's not annoying. No, what's,
1: that was Ant Deck, remember? Every time on their little <laughs> joke, whenever somebody would start to speak, he'd say, "Okay, say, say something, say something."
0: <laughs> yeah, so it is what, annoying. That's What's the, point. the before the after the show discussion?
1: Nothing really. You were reading me about Christopher Nolan movies, Other well, the movies he's made. Do you have anything we in discussed? Order? Well, what were we talking about before the after the show discussion? We're talking about isn't uh, like fantasy. It's like what mm-hmm. we were actually discussing, and what we were discussing was Ellen Burstyn, Christopher Nolan.
0: That and you didn't... hadn't seen many Ellen Burstyn
1: no. movies, and you were reading other facts about this particular movie, and Christopher Nolan, and if,
0: and if anybody out there has seen the movie *The Fountain* by Darren Aronofsky, which seemed it came came and went. I said to you, it was one like Darren Aronofsky movies are a big deal. Like when when they ever come out, they, they get promoted highly, and everybody hit the next movie from Darren Aronofsky. *The Fountain* it just it did not have any of that. It must have been crappy. Either that, or it was overshadowed by something else that was around at the time that was huge or something. You know, that sometimes happens. Mm. Um, Like, even Noah, which we know how Noah turned out, was a big... The next movie from... How did it turn
1: out? What are you trying to say? It
0: kind of turned out poo. (laughs)
1: Lots of poo on the ship. It was a a bit poo.
0: (laughs) Yeah. All right, so... This is, after the show, you don't know what this is. If you don't know what it is, it is a movie podcast, and this week... Well, we review a Blu-ray every week, and this week's Blu-ray review uh, would be Interstellar. And this is after the show number 369. You'll be able to get this on the weekend of Saturday, March the 28th. And Sid Talk, this is a 2014 movie, will be released next Tuesday, the 31st of March. So we're looking at this a little bit early. It's PG-13 from our friends at Paramount. And the synopsis of uh, Interstellar.
1: Do you realize that most married couples have never had 369 conversations about movies? Probably not. Or maybe even that many conversations. About conversations <laughs> in
0: general.
1: Um, interstellar is humans, traveling, interstellary, a man. Let's see. What is the synopsis?
0: Well, <laughs> this is really Earth's having
1: a hard time. And we need to find someplace else.
0: You should write the things for the backs of boxes, <laughs> shouldn't you?
1: Earth's having a hard here's time. My, here's, <laughs> my, here's my advice: watch the fucking movie.
0: Yeah, you should write. Yeah, yeah. Being on the back, <laughs> that's
1: that's what every box should, every poster should say. Okay, Earth's having a hard time. We have to find another place to live. And is the point of life finding another place to live or love? Or love? That's the that's the movie. So we have a guy and family. So it's basically and a lady and the science. <laughs> let's be honest. The bones of any movie is going to be the bones of many other movies. Human. So the skeleton is human. going to be very, very similar. It's yeah. the
0: outer wrapping. It all comes from a human, so it generally boils down <laughs> yeah, yeah. to Gener- human emotion.
1: Usually, yes, yeah. movies do come from humans, so it's always from our point.
0: <laughs> maybe maybe in the future we can write a pro- some kind of program that makes movies. We'd know yeah, if- but humans would have written that. that. No, it's just so no its, matter its what, own thing. It,
1: doesn't matter, it won't be its own thing, no matter what you do. Until you get a dog coming over here and typing... Type in what they want to say. Well, maybe
0: that will happen. I've seen it on YouTube. That does
1: happen. I don't mean a domesticated (laughs) dog, because then they might be influenced. I mean a dog that just walks up out of the woods, who's never... It's from a society of dogs in the woods, and he's like, Hey, guys, we've been uh, noticing you from a distance. I
0: want to write a movie. I feel like I've wrote an Academy (laughs) Award-winning screenplay here. Can you just take a look? Woof! (laughs) woofing when you can talk as a dog oh i might as well inject some of <laughs>
1: my dogness as well only if people want him to play the game will they be like oh look at the cute doggy!" and he's rolling his eyes like yeah woof woof read my script
0: we do they, we're a little off track the the producer guy would say this script is pretty good but we're also doing a remake of turner and hoop <laughs> would you be any good at that you'd you? be perfect at that <laughs> yeah that's how it would go we need that to pop. It'd
1: have to sell out before he could sell the script. <laughs> a, a dog that can talk and write and has a society would have to play Tur- in Turner Hooch movie. Is it a Turner cute or little Hooch? Dog.
0: Which, one's, which <laughs> one's the dog? <laughs> I don't even know. I, I'm saying Hooch. <laughs> I don't <even> know. <laughs> <laughs> Hanks is Turner and Hooch is the dog. That's what I'm saying. So you say. Sounds right. Could be the other way around, though. It <laughs> exactly. couldn't matter. It's interchangeable. So, that's no um, Nothing slight on Mr. Hanks. Movie. So, uh, Interstellar. Um, Christopher Nolan's new movie. I I love Christopher Nolan's work, as you know. The Batman movies are my favorite superhero movies. Actually, the Batman movies and Man of Steel, which is my favorite superhero movie. And Christopher Nolan also has something to do with Man of Steel. He was the producer on that. Um, I've liked all of Nolan's movies since the beginning. The very first movie, and I introduced you to it, was Memento. Mm-hmm. And I said to you, you've got to see this movie, Memento, and... You know, it's mind blowing that movie. The prestige, awesome. You just make. I really
1: like the prestige. Yeah. He
0: just makes these really thought provoking, very different. Isn't he doesn't kind of stick to one thing. He skips around different genres and, um, but they're always thought provoking. And I said to you, there's something classy about his movies. Like it feels like a piece of art, even if it's a big budget production like Interstellar, which is, which can work at many levels to me. Like it, it can work as like a big. IMAX movie that people go to see this spectacle but then it's also got this have a think about some stuff as well. Absolutely. Which a lot of movies don't. You go and see Transformers it's not really got to have a think about it it's just the big IMAX movie. This is like it can be advertised in a way as like wow look at this great space movie that that's coming up come, come and see it but then when you do come and see it ooh you have to think a little bit and that's what this movie's about and I have to say, I was blown away by this movie. I actually think it's his best movie to date, for me. Um, it used to be Inception. And I don't really count the Batman movies, because they're Batman, and they're their own thing. But of Nolan's movies that are not Batman, Inception used to be my favourite Nolan movie. Now, I feel like Inception's dated a little bit. Like, it was all very of its time, and like when you watch it now, it's like a little bit... Um... It feels, How I don't so? know if it's because of the actors or whatever. I've, I saw some clips of it the other day and I was like, wow, I didn't remember it being exactly like that, you know?
1: I don't I don't remember it feeling.
0: Like it felt very current at the time. Like,
1: What's current about it? What I, do you mean? I
0: really don't know. It, it, I, was, I watched some clips of it the other day and it just seemed a little bit. Oh, wow, that's... Like, when you look at The Matrix now, and it feels like, oh, I'm back in 1999. It's exactly... That's how it feels. But is it
1: only because you know that's when it was made? If it might be the special it.
0: effects or something. There's just something about it that feels a bit dated.
1: So that means it's gimmicky. Gimmicky puts you in a space and time, doesn't it? Space-time. We'll be discussing that later, I'm sure, but...
0: And Inception's a mind-boggling concept also, like this one is. So he's obviously fascinated by science and time... And what's Inception dealing in? The mind, you know? Mm -hmm. Inception's like a a mind heist, (laughs) basically. Um, and it's really, you know, a really cool concept. And Interstellar's also, I didn't actually know what to expect from Interstellar. All I knew from we watched the trailer was, um, Matthew McConaughey's walking through a cornfield and there's a spaceship and he's that, and then he's got a helmet on. And I was like, okay, so it's space space something. But I didn't know exactly the whys or whereabouts of any of it. So all this was a surprise to me watching it. Right. And I thought it was a... It's, it's just a really fantastical ride. It's And some of the visuals in this movie are like nothing you've ever seen before. For like example? When I, like when they land on the um, planet full of water. Like you see a lot of space movies and they land on different planets and you see different stuff, but that it was very striking to me. Like I'd not actually s- thought about that kind of planet. Just that's it.
1: Really? Episode one, I believe, takes you back to an all rain planet.
0: Yeah, it's nothing like that though. It's got no. love, it's got buildings and everything. I'm talking about nothing. Like, okay, I get you. This a water, planet
1: covered with water,
0: and it literally only comes up to your shins. It's not like a deep ocean. It's just a planet covered in this shallow bit of water it's, that that there's that this all the space stuff in this movie looks real to me like it none of it looks phony or weird it's uh, he he doesn't like using cg very much i was just reading and i, I knew that anyway he's not really into that. even batman and stuff it was all very physical and this movie it was one of the things i thought at the end of it you know like we've watched what did we watch the other week where we were like oh it was it was last week it was um, the hobbit and we were like, wow, this just feels like it's all CG. Like, you can't, you get bombarded with CG and you're like, wow, that looks phony, that looks weird. I never thought that once in this movie. And we're, t- we're talking about landing on alien planets, um, flying through wormholes, you know, fantastical stuff. And I never for one minute thought, wow, that's really hokey and weird. Because he uses, you know, physical sets, the spaceship is all just a normal
1: real... was a CGI it had to be. Yeah, of course. But <laughs> yeah. even
0: that, I wasn't even thinking that. I was yeah. thinking, wow, this is an interesting concept. Look how this is visualized. He's visualized the internal of that? Not, uh, you know, I'm like, wow, uh, it's it's interesting how he made it relatable to us. You know, like, because yeah. that's how it all. You know, it's hard to describe a lot of science things to to average people, isn't it? Who are not geniuses. One thing that I did realize about science and stuff, watching this movie, is how much faith we put on people who are, who are uh, in quotes, clever. Because we just take their, we go, oh, Einstein said all these things, all these theories, and then now we just took all them on board and said, Einstein uh,
1: said relativity, and everybody goes, oh, yeah relative oh, relativity? <laughs> I, I'm, not, I'm,
0: I'm not saying, you know, he, he he says all that, all those theories. But now, you know, years on, we've took them as, like, that's what we base everything People
1: still on. challenge it, though. That's science. You challenge it. They do, but most don't. Legal.
0: Like, the scientists go, oh, yeah, they said this, and this no, is... No, yeah,
1: but they use that as the basis. What I don't like is when we're watching the extras, and they're talking about finding other planets that we could live on and saying... Something something number one eighty six F, you know, is the same size and is in the Goldilocks zone, and da da da, and it's this size, and we can see that it has this much nitrogen, or whatever you know. They do the test, and we can so, use our imagination. So you can imagine <laughs> an ocean. If yeah. you just let yourself, and then when I think of it, I can imagine it's really there. Can imagine anything. It's simple, and then I'm like, that is not scientific. No. And she's the scientist
0: person. That was one thing. Yeah, she she did say that, and I was like, well, I can imagine that there's a <laughs> Bugs Bunny planet up there with Bugs Bunny running. I can Bunny imagine
1: stepping on an elevator and taking it all, taking me all the way to the space station, so I could go up there for a few days. I can imagine that.
0: So there's that doesn't nothing, make it true. <laughs> there's nothing scientific of saying, well, we know that this planet is there because we saw the shadow of it on something and then we can just imagine that it's got a... Earth, it's got a-
1: there's more There's more evidence. But it, there, it seems
0: like, like there's a lot of... Well, stretch. we don't know that, so we have to fill in all those details ourselves. Like, but
1: exactly. But then they could be all wrong. <laughs> exactly. So,
0: um, so what did you think of this movie, Interstellar? The actual...
1: Overall, I really enjoyed it. I love spacey stuff. I watched loads of space... Um, Again, I put trust in the YouTube videos and the channels that I watch that are geared towards sciencey stuff. <laughs> See, I sound very technical. So I put my, but when you watch enough, over and over and over, you start getting a certain confidence in what they're saying. And then you, you know, I don't have any, I don't study any of that. But in this, they use a lot of the same things that you watch when you kind of tune into s astrology astronomy astronomy, astronomy yes <laughs> see I again i always pause at that last uh, syllable there um about how a wormhole would work and bending space and time and that little graph that they show you where where it's yeah that you know the net of time and space is bending and warping around everything so i'm like oh i've seen that i get what they're saying i get what they're saying so that all is very exciting i love it i love the possibilities i love the idea of an adventurer Who, no matter what, just wants to go on. Just, and I'm not saying that I would abandon my family and friends and everything just to do it. But I imagine that I could be the kind of person who could be, go. I'm going on this spaceship and for the rest of my life I'm going to be going out through our universe. And as far as I can get, gather as much data as I can to feed back just for... I don't even know if it's that much of an advancement. I mean, if we ever end up living on other planets, which seems highly unlikely. But then again, if we're around for another billions of years, of course, something, you know I mean? You always break out of your confines, don't you, of where you are? Yeah. You always need more space, as George Carlin would say. But um I think of that when I'm watching this, and it taps more into that vibe of people accepting That when they go far, far, far away, and it takes months and months and years to get somewhere, that they've gotten to that place where people accept that. I mean, it's tough. They make it emotional and difficult. But that took me there. Like, I could be that person. Yes, it would suck. You'd get, you know, a little bit lonely and you'd miss the people that you care about. But I think my, deep down inside of me, my curiosity is bigger than my roots are deep. And... I've never been a motivated, ambitious person. That's why I've never pursued anything like that. But I can, that's why it really got, I identified with it hugely. Like, okay, I can see myself getting on that ship. I wouldn't want to go to sleep for 14 months. I would want to be on the ship and just like, (laughs) because, you know, they have, what's it called? Stasis or whatever. I'd be like, it's just two years. I mean, I can stay awake for two years and do stuff, you know? (laughs) So that It really brought that to life because a lot of movies kind of barely skirt that surface and they dig too deep in the, like, you know, humans can't handle it and all that. And I think that's one of the reasons I got hooked really early. And then the only things I didn't like was a little bit too much of the, it was heavy handed on the love thing. Yeah. Now I get it. We're in love with love. We think love is a thing that just exists. I don't. I think it is part of our makeup to be, want to bond with another human being. I don't, bond is another word we made up, but I mean, I don't know that love is a thing other than you attach yourself to certain humans and animals, I'm sure. And it's just in our, it's just us. It's, It's what we, it's built in, right? But it's not like,
0: they tried to kind they tried of to replace science, a scientific with... yeah. explanation on love. Here.
1: Or not. That was yeah. my problem. They are going, all this other science is driving us, but I have this feeling of love that makes me want to go to this planet instead of right, that planet. Right, there's an intangible... Yeah, that something else is driving it, which always annoys the shit out of me. Like, somebody always has to dangle the little higher power in there, when what you're trying to get at is the science of it now if this movie started out trying to split you and saying there's a higher power and a not and a lot of science movies do a lot of space movies do that um that'd be fine but it didn't it was heavy science 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 and i thought it a was
0: sudden, a, a good mix of being a science movie as well and not being a religious or spiritual movie really much at all like it, it didn't nobody was praying or no no it, it was science but i think implying
1: yeah. that love is something supernatural is was enough for me to be like oh okay whatever
0: yeah, I kind of like that. Because the feeling of love
1: towards someone does drive your survival instinct. It does drive you to do things in life, and just yes, humans have done that you wouldn't do otherwise. I may not do the same thing for a stranger walking down the street as I would if I saw my niece walking down the street. I would like to think that I would save a person no matter what, but what my drive to save my person is going to be stronger. If that's love, that's what we call it, that's fine. And they, they do a good job of tapping into that, like... Are you willing to sacrifice your personal happiness for the fate of all humanity? It's not a new subject. We've seen it a lot of times before. But they handled it, I think, really well. It was more entwined with a good story.
0: I kind of grasped it also a little bit as we know as little about what's out there as we do about ourselves, really. Like, we, yeah, we br- yeah. really don't understand anything. We're, we're pretty... We're pretty still cavemanish. ish we, we don't yeah, really because, get
1: it. Because we he, they skirt the issue of the ignorance that people want to wallow in when he goes to the school and they're like, you yeah. never did go to the moon and we're tired of people perpetuating this lie. That's the school changing the textbooks. Yeah. Which is a reality. There are religious people who want to put Jesus in history
0: books. Yeah.
1: I don't mean like, here's the Bible no, that, that I- was written by his... I mean like, Jesus was a real person, definitively. And that boggles my mind. I'm like, what the fuck? And then, as people go, oh, well, what's the harm? You mention it and you tell them because they're going to learn this in church and oh, whatever. Right. What about 20 years from now? Do yeah. they decide George Washington wasn't a person? Martin Luther King Jr. wasn't a person? Because they want to replace that with all of their people, their fictional people. So, this movie didn't dig up a lot of that, which I liked. And... <laughs> And I just loved it. I loved the whole, it got a little heavy, emotional. I mean, I like emotional, but I mean that, oh, like, teary-eyed Anne Hathaway saying, but love is stronger than whatever it is. So that was like, uh,
0: you know. Yeah. Now, um, we saw another space movie uh, about a year ago, Gravity. And, uh, you know, that was a, a movie that, you know, got a lot of Oscar nominations and Interstellar didn't for some reason. But I thought Interstellar was a much more thought-provoking movie. Gravity was... It was really just an action movie in yep.
1: space. It's not even action-y, really.
0: No, but I mean, that's what it was. It was like this amazing special effect action, you know, big event thing. And
1: it's one person.
0: And then it was spiritual, like, as well. Like, yeah. If you remember the ending. It was... it was.
1: And it was one person. Mm-hmm. And all she had to do was get back up. There was nothing she Clooney was doing. Clooney doesn't count
0: as a person, does he? But, I
1: mean, she wasn't doing anything.
0: <laughs> no. And that she got out- all the attention.
1: I mean, she went out there... Just to do some fixing and then come back. There's no world saving, no lives mm. you no know, no threat. You know I mean there was because eventually that the thing happened. But I mean um as far as like I'm not saying I need a big asteroid headed to Earth for us to have a space movie, but that was all about one person resolving her little Yeah not won't say little, I don't want to diminish the what her character was going through, but I mean it's one human.
0: Really, it's a good movie, but this one—I like to me, this one better. Yeah, so do I. I
1: really did. I mean, I like the,
0: the. There's look a lot of more gravity. to this. It, it's it's got meat on it, whereas that to me is like you'd have to pick the meat off it. It's just like a carcass, yes. like of it's an action thing. Like I so. said,
1: the bones are there. It's yeah. about love and finding meaning in life. Same, 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 but the wrappings of both of them are very different. Good, good, good haste. Pick the bead off that bone.
0: So let's go on to the cast here. Uh, Matthew McConaughey plays Cooper. You never find out what his first name is, mm-hmm. yeah, ever in the whole thing. He's just Cooper, <laughs> and that's not his first name. I'm assuming that's because it's his like astronaut name, which they use the second name, don't they? I don't remember. Um, he says, you know, um, Matthew McConaughey. I told you what I think about Matthew McConaughey. <laughs> he was not even on my radar at all, and then True Detective came along. And it completely changed my mind about him. And then he did Dallas Buyers Club, which was incredible. And now again in Interstellar, he's just... Something happened. He's stellar. Something flipped in Matthew McConaughey, where he just changed his path, I think, in acting. You know? Mm. Because there's nothing before um, True Detective where you would have gone like... Holy crap, that guy is amazing. I don't
1: know, I haven't seen all of oh, his I'll stuff. Oh, I'll tell you what <laughs> else he was amazing
0: in. And he was only in it, very briefly, Wolf of Wall Street. Mm-hmm. Um, something, something happened, and now he's... I don't
1: know, I haven't seen all of his stuff, so I can't speak I've seen that. a
0: lot of his, like, stuff that he used to do. You know, he did a lot of romantic comedies. That's like not I've to say been, he's
1: not good at that thing, but that thing doesn't appeal to you.
0: Yeah, it was just really... He was, you know, Sahara...
1: That was alright. I like the Yeah,
0: but it's it's not amazing or anything. His role, it's just pretty standard. But I don't know what's what's happened to him. But he's doing some good choices for movies, and this this one solidifies it even more. He's just he's just a presence, like you know. Um, Anne Hathaway plays Brand. What did you think? I was like I I pretty much always her. like her. I, I bought know. her as that character too. Like it, you know, she's not like she's.
1: She's very grounded and I like that there's nothing there's nothing frivolous about her at all except for that one tie of emotion that and it's hard for her to even express that or let it out which I found really good with the
0: because cause of the company she's in as well she doesn't want to and... I just think cuz her
1: father and the whole life the whole generation that she's living in of the earth is everybody's going to be extinct basically I mean here's my one complaint about the movie and not in relation but I guess it does symbolize her relationship with her father, and then you got McConaughey and this little tiny group. We don't see anywhere else on the whole planet. Mm-mm. We don't see any place else. We Mm-mm. see this one little farm. That's it.
0: It's very focused, tight on these. Right, but
1: I mean, that that does that thing where at the end of it, I even though during it I didn't feel the claustrophobia of it, afterwards I dawned on me like, I didn't feel, I felt the, th- the I know the idea of the Earth, the climate change and everything, making it so that our, you know, we can't grow every different kind of crop and that the oxygen, nitrogen is changing and all this stuff, which is pretty extreme, but I bought it, right? But I didn't see the effects of it anywhere else except in this tiny little farm. And at the end of that, I felt like, I feel like I need a little bit more. That has nothing to do with Anne Hathaway, but...
0: <laughs> she, was, she was good, and I like the, the fact that she, you know... It's they didn't go like oh we've got to have like some sexy chick or something. It's just some.
1: Well, she's sexy. I mean,
0: sexing her up like you like they do in certain movies. Oh like, yeah. Like she's just like a normal. I can buy this chick. She's just a, a chick. She's not some movie star woman. chick or anything. She's not a chick. Yeah, but <laughs> I, but it's you know other movies they go oh well we need some money you know I've said to you I don't think Christopher Nolan would ever say that has to pop.
1: Yeah, he's
0: not that kind of guy Like um, Jessica Chastain plays Murph who we saw in Tree of Life and she was also in Zero Dark Thirty which we've not seen yet but um, she's she was good too she plays the grown up version of um, Matthew McConaughey's daughter uh, and she's really good really good um, she's not got like I mean she's really really pivotal to the whole story but the little girl is like I thought the little girl played it really well too oh yeah really good uh, Casey Affleck plays his son, Tom, um, and Casey Affleck, as always, is, like, super intense, like, super intense. I don't think there's one jokey moment, is he, in the whole thing?
1: No. He's happy for, like, half a second.
0: Um, and then Michael Caine, as in most Christopher Nolan movies, makes an appearance as Professor Brand. uh... Michael Caine pretty much does Michael Caine, doesn't he? He's, yep. He's quite emotional in this one, though, I thought.
1: Definitely. That part, that one was like, I was like, oh, right. See, I think Michael Caine's one of those people, and everyone will, a lot of people will disagree with me, but he's rated for being Michael Caine and for maybe some choice times and things that he's done, and everything else is him being that. And I don't know that that's, that's like saying that, you
0: know. Like Ray Winston. An artist painted
1: a flower one time that was so spectacular, and then they painted that flower 500 times, and we still think they're spectacular. Fine, that one painting was spectacular, and maybe four or five of them were fantastic. But then after you've done 100 of them, the same, I don't know that that's amazing anymore, but in this one, he has a couple of scenes where it's like he's trying a little bit different. He's... He's thinking through that guy's mind. Yeah. Whereas other times I feel like he's being Michael Caine
0: being those guys. Should we even mention that next actor? Seems seems like it was supposed to be some kind of secret.
1: (laughs) I didn't give a shit that he was in it, so I don't know. It's up to you.
0: All right, let's not mention that either. So Topher Grace plays Getty.
1: Why are you keeping their secret for them? Because it doesn't matter. But I'm know. not going to tell you nothing. I, I
0: would say there's some kind of secret in this movie that was kept a secret for some reason. Yeah, but then I don't see the reason. They're think it's
1: important. And it's not I
0: don't right. see the reason for it. So uh, discover this movie for yourself and you'll find out a secret. Uh, Topher Just Grace plays important. Getty. What do you think of him? He's from that 70s show.
1: Oh, I like him. I don't yeah. think of him from seven, that seventy show. I think him from that movie with Dennis Quaid.
0: He's also from In Good Company. With Dennis.
1: In Good Company. That's yeah. it. I yeah. listen to that soundtrack all the time. I hated him the first time I watched that movie. I thought he was the worst thing in that movie. And then I watched it probably four or five times. And then I was like, he's good. He's fine. He was in something else that I liked him in as well since then.
0: Uh, and then finally I put down. He didn't
1: have much of a part.
0: Let's no, to be honest. But, but he is in there, definitely. Uh, Bill Irwin plays Taz and he's, he's like, there's a robot character in this movie. Which is really cool. I thought because mm-hmm. it's a really unusual design, not like any other robot I've seen in anything else. No. Um, who is he? Bill Irwin.
1: I know. But who is he? Uh,
0: I, I recognize his face, but I couldn't tell you anything he's been in. Do you know what I mean? He's one of those people, like uh, yes. Uh, but yeah, he's. It's really cool that robot. Actually, it's a. I think it's a really good, like interface with the audience. The. It, there's no humor to really be had in this movie. It's really really hard to inject any humor in it. And you could have like the the space the person who goes with them who's like the cracky one-liner thing and that would come across really cheesy to me. Yes. But this robot replaces that character completely. Yet it's sophisticated and intelligent enough but it can still kind of do fart jokes. <laughs> I know it doesn't do fart jokes. I'm not but you know what I mean yep. that it can It can do a silly joke and it has this thing where it has a tell. Well, he tells him to have a tell. Like, it lights up a little LED on it if it's being sarcastic or being humorous. Mm -hmm. And that adds a really... It's fun whenever it says something, yet it doesn't ever feel like, oh my god, I hate that character. It's stupid.
1: And you don't want anything bad to happen to him. No.
0: So I really admired that. I thought that was cool. That, That was... I was like, that's a Christopher Nolan thing. Like, any other space movie would have had, like... Steve Buscemi sat on the rocket like
1: oh you mean that one that you love well just so I'm much. talking about <laughs> other, <laughs>
0: other space movies where there's a character who is the character who's going to say stupid shit that guy and, and possibly you will be annoyed by him by the end of it
1: or the idiots will be going <laughs> oh, he's yeah, funny he's the best thing in the yeah. whole movie
0: so directed by Christopher Nolan um Dark Knight Inception The Prestige Memento um He's a fantastic director. One of the best directors I think in terms of like it's like a, I said it before, intelligent filmmaking. That's how I feel it is. I agree. It's um also he has a really good eye for things. This movie's filmed in two aspect ratios like uh, the Dark Knight was. It's um letterboxed and then there's IMAX sections where the whole screen gets took up. And it makes those moments really like And most of it is the rockets taking off or them flying through space. It it opens up the frame, so it's huge, like an IMAX. Talking of IMAX, um, if you buy this Blu-ray inside the box, there's a frame from the IMAX movie, an actual frame. Um, And it's it's an individual frame, so every single Blu-ray will have a different one in it. But um, it's really cool because you get to see how big IMAX film is. It's like that big. And I'm doing this with my fingers. It's like uh, <laughs> as big as your fingers. Yeah, it's quite a big frame, but um, it does this shifting aspect ratios like the Dark Knight did, and I think it is really cool because it makes some of these big scenes, like the one where they land on the planet with the ocean, just seem huge. Also, the sound in this movie is unbelievable on the Blu-ray. I said to it, there's a moment in this well, it's a it's a whole sequence where the bass I could feel it in my entire torso.
1: Yep, exactly. Like a
0: like a like, it was thumping me. Like I was like, wow, that's kind of uncomfortable. There's that much bass. But considering what was happening on the screen, I think that was the idea. You were supposed to be a bit uncomfortable by the whole thing. Um, so, yeah, amazing soundtrack. Also, Hans Zimmer's, um, what do you call it, score. is I love Hans Zimmer's work. Man of Steel is one of my favorite Hans Zimmer soundtracks. Um, I listen to it a lot. It's just really good music if you just need to concentrate on, you know, writing something down or it's cool music. But uh, the music in this, I, I, I want to go and get it now. It's like... Powerful. Yeah, it's like organ music, like uh, but like swelling, orchestral, but then there's an organ over the top of the whole thing. And it reminded me a lot of uh, 2001 A Space Odyssey. They play that kind of music when they do a lot of the long shots of space. Yeah. And this movie is inspired by that movie a lot. Um, But, yeah, it's an awesome score by Hans Zimmer, again, uh, who always works with Christopher Nolan. So extras on this Blu-ray, and there are a lot. In fact, it's a whole separate disc because the movie's so long. The movie's nearly three hours. They did a whole disc of extras, and you really can't complain. It's like um, this is what's in there. Well, it doesn't actually tell you everything that's in there, but there's a 50-minute documentary which explains the science of Interstellar, It's narrated by Matthew McConaughey, and it has interviews with everybody. Chris Nolan, everybody's in there, plus this science guy who they consulted with on this movie. So this movie actually uses real-world science as its basis. It's not all pie-in-the-sky guys. stuff. They all say,
1: but, you know, there has to be some movie giveaway, leeway.
0: Yeah, to make it, you know, super... Uh, you
1: know. But people say, like, astrophysicists, and that is an amazing, amazing kind of, uh, discipline because there's loads of math and conceptual things, and it stretches the limits of how you can, like, make, you know, all the formulas and stuff. However, astrophysicists also have that thing of, we think it might be that, therefore, we think that is what it is, yeah. and how exciting is that until we can prove it wrong? which is kind of the opposite of how I think science is supposed to be, that you say, no, it's not that until I prove it is. So astrophysicists often have this, like, fallback position where the math backs me up, therefore I've decided that planet's just like Earth, you know? So there's a huge leap, like futurists. Have you ever heard of futurists? Well, some of them are astrophysicists, and that's where they come up with, well, the math tells me this, and my simulations tell me this. Therefore, in 500 years, humans will have gills. Because the math backs me up on this, you know? So you just go, that's not an astrophysicist thing. But it's that sort of attitude. Now, I'm not taking away their genius in the math department. Because that boggles my mind. But when you say, oh, astrophysicists and everybody... Like you said, we just settle back on our heels and go okay that's astrophysicist he knows everything i'll just take his word for well, it theories
0: well, a lot of it yeah, even I einstein remember. was theories so that's what i was saying that's right? what i'm
1: saying they say their math yeah. backs up their theory and until you can prove my theory wrong this is where we're at right and that does move you forward like if you say well there's a planet over there that looks like earth that can motivate people to go to that planet and find it out and prove it right or wrong so that's fine but the astrophysicist guy kind of you have to remember don't just think like oh he's a genius he must be right about
0: all of it. True. So yeah, it's a 50 minute documentary. Uh, it's really good. I really liked it. It, it yeah. covers all and really exp- like the movie. The movie doesn't assume that you know everything about astrophysics physics and True. True. But the movie's intelligent enough to not be really dumb and say oh well you need to know this this and this like But even me, who doesn't really know a lot about it, I felt like I was following it all the time. I was like, okay, they explain it enough. I I don't fully get it. I don't know all the equations on the board. But I know enough, you know. Yep. They boil it down to enough for an average layman to understand. And I feel like this documentary did the same thing. It explains like, look, this is what a wormhole is. This is what we think a wormhole is. We actually don't know. And they show they they go through it. So if you're really interested in the science, it's a fantastic documentary. It's uh, 50 minutes long. And then there's also um, the making of the movie, which is separate, which is split into a bunch of stuff, but is some of the things there's plotting an interstellar journey, which is about the design of the movie, shooting in Iceland, which we watched, um, which shows you how they did the lakesy, the, the different planets that they landed on. Celestial landmarks, which shows you how they did practical special special effects to make it look like space travel, and miniatures in space, all the spaceships and yeah, which is why this movie looks not like Lord of the Rings that we watched. <laughs> uh, so there are there are lots of special features. The movie looks fantastic. It sounds amazing. It's definitely a must see movie for me. I think you should see this movie. It's.
1: I don't know, if you get bored easy, it's not exactly fast-paced and everything, and it can be a little heavy on the idea of something, and then you get to a point where most outer space movies, like we've said, 2001 did it, Contact did it, uh, Gravity did it, we go science, 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 reality, 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 oh, mind-bending thing that you will have to contemplate. Which I like. You like it, and yet that isn't for everyone. So I don't. I say, yeah, if you want to know what this movie is all about, watch it. But I don't think everyone will enjoy it. It's mm. long, which I love. Uh, yeah, not everybody does good. for some freaking reason.
0: That was one of my favorite. Pu- Whenever I sit down and I know it's a Christopher Nolan movie, that's always one of my things. I didn't tell you this the other day at work.
1: One of the young men that I told you, there's this. I've hit that that age where I look back on the 20-somethings and go, oh my God, those 25-year-olds, they're driving me crazy. (laughs) One of them said, I hope someday they will start making two versions of movies.
0: No, like a Cliff Notes version.
1: Yeah, (laughs) and then he went on with his buddy to discuss it, and how, yeah, all that bullshit that's in there, and all the extra stuff that's in there, and I don't need this, and I don't need that, I just need this and that, and I just need that, and if it was 20 minutes long, that'd be awesome. I can get most movies
0: watched in 15 minutes. So basically, he wants uh... the Matrix, where he can just jack in. And And then
1: I was realizing, you know what, we're talking about space travel, and how it could take you 15 years, and people would have a hard time letting go of their family and everything, right? We discussed that briefly. If we're complaining now, because we're making a generation of people who are disconnected somewhat, where, well, my son sits in his room all day and plays Xbox, and he never goes over to his friend's house. Well, that son, then, could grow up to be a, a scientist, an astronaut, who could be in a spaceship. Potentially. I'm not saying direct line to that. But the idea that I can have fulfilling relationships. I'm a human being. Maybe I don't need the, maybe I've learned in my personality, the physical contact. I can take it or leave it. I think some humans are like that. I'm not a huge physical, touchy-feely person either. I really am not. I force it sometimes for other people's sake. I am drawn to certain. I mean, I like to hug you, and I like my nieces and nephews, and my mother hugs me, and I'm, I always do that thing where I put my arms yeah. down to my side and go, "Well, get it over with," you know. I'm mm. just I mean, always. And she said, "You, oh, you've always been that way." So the physical aspect, and I can maintain relationships digitally. I have no problem with that. So if you think three generations down the line children, grandchildren, 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 where maybe their school is digital, maybe their work is mainly digital, if they're not out in the physical, you know, if they're not the person who likes to go and work on the farm or work in a store or whatever, that you will have generations of people in the future, whole, whole subsets, whole industries, around people who don't need to be physically. And we're already there. I mean, a lot of people do work digitally and live kind of isolated. So I'm thinking maybe that's not a horrible thing. If we want to go somewhere else, we're going to need people who can go. Not a problem. I mean, that's fine. <laughs> like, I got, uh, I got my Skype here on my spaceship. I'll be fine. So. And my real doll. Ghost. <laughs> so. Well, in 50, 100 years, she's going to be different, right? She's going to yeah. be like Data. She's going to be an android.
0: Oh, but a girl. So, um. Or that, a guy. This sounds like something that Christopher Nolan would not endorse. I would
1: thing. take Data <laughs> on a trip with me. Data had his own
0: uh, he intimate
1: ex <laughs> Yes, he does. Yes, he does. He exists the same as Hawkeye Pierce. Don't burst my bubble.
0: All right. So, um yeah, I give this highest, if I had to give it uh, out of a number score, it would be my 10 out of 10. I absolutely love this movie. I, I'm in love with it. So Aww. that's Interstellar. Uh I'm looking forward to whatever Christopher Nolan does next. He never seemed to disappoint me. So, uh, thanks to Paramount for the Blu-ray. If you want to enter a contest, we have some new ones going on this week. Go to aschoolie.com. You can win some Blu-rays. Next week's Blu-ray review is the Oscar-nominated Into the Woods by Disney. We're going to have a look at that. Movie recommendations for this week. I am going with, based on Interstellar, Inception. You definitely should see Inception if you've not seen it yet. Christopher Nolan movie. And the other one is because Jessica Chastain is in this movie. And also... um, no, Jessica Chastain. Uh, Tree of Life by... Um, yeah. <laughs> I, I was going to say Lars von Trier, but it's not Lars von Trier. It's... Uh, Christopher
1: Nolan, isn't n- it?
0: No. It's uh, <laughs> <laughs> the guy who did Badlands. <laughs> well, I don't know why I'm... Terence Malik. Yes, Malick. Yeah, oh,
1: man. Uh, duh, duh. So, Trier yeah,
0: Tree of, of Life, which is... Oh, really? You know what? Interstellar, I kept having thoughts of Tree of Life because it's got that kind of... uh, Like, reflective kind of, like, floaty kind of nature What was the of other one? With that flick. Yeah, the um one with Olga Kuralinko in it.
1: Up, oh, Step Up or Step Up or...
0: Yeah. Wasn't it? The next <laughs> Terrence Malick film after that.
1: Oh, that was good too. Yeah. Those are really good. I wouldn't recommend them to everyone. But
0: I feel that Interstellar, that Christopher Nolan's, this movie in particular, has this kind of ethereal kind of thing bit. going on a bit in it. You know? Especially in certain towards part,
1: the... Yeah, exactly.
0: So there yeah. my recommendations. Yours are...
1: Mine are... I forget. Oh, we're going to go from Outer Space, and I've recommended this before, but it's called Inner Space. It's an oldie, but a really fun one. And I
0: imagine that the special effects are like... Could Steven Spielberg direct that?
1: I'm not sure. It might have something to do with something it. Something do not it. It was uh, Martin...
0: Yeah. I've seen it, What's yeah. his name? Short.
1: Martin Short. Dennis Quaid again. Uh, Meg oh. Ryan, I think.
0: Go inside somebody's body. Yeah.
1: It's the... Basically... Um, journey movie. to the center of the human or whatever that, that one.
0: <laughs> fantastic voyage. Yes, fantastic yeah.
1: voyage, but modernized in the eighties. Yeah. And, uh, it's really funny. We're so I mean, actually I,
0: talking uh, about doing it again, actually.
1: I would, you know what? I'm all for it because I think that that, the, as much more as we can do now visually, because I liked it the first time and the, it's got a plot of ruling the world and, um, miniaturizing lasers and all this kind of stuff, you know. And then on top of that, you get the relationships and it's funny. And so inner space and, a classic, space people going into space for long periods of time, alien. Because I mean, it's one of the first ones to do it in a way that where you just sit there going, "Holy shit, we could do this!" <laughs> like it's not, you know, fantastical. It's it was more like, "Whoa."
0: So not so much. Uh, I've not been playing that many games this week, but this week's been like an amazing week of if you're a nerd slash geek type person. Um, there's, there's been, like, a load of good news. One piece of bad news was that I talked about this last week. Top Gear, Jeremy Clarkson, was under investigation. Uh, well, the BBC decided to fire him, so Top Gear will not go on with Jeremy Clarkson. It will go on next year, apparently. But Jeremy Clarkson will probably end up somewhere else. Uh, I'm sure we'll see him again. So that was the bad news. But then there was a load of good news, like, all in a row. And the first thing was, like, I was like, holy shit, this really happened? And uh, The X-Files has been renewed by Fox. So, you know, very soon they're going to start filming it. And there's going to be six new episodes of The X-Files on Fox, for a starter. If it does well, there'll be more. But Gillian Anderson and David Duchovny are back, as Scully and Mulder.
1: Will be back.
0: Um, and I've seen them chatting to each other on Twitter all week.
1: I thought they were married.
0: They look very excited. No, no, they're not married.
1: I thought they were together. You told they me... They were together,
0: yeah. Okay. But no, not anymore, no. Okay. They weren't married. They were boyfriend and girlfriend for a while.
1: Oh, I thought you said they've been together all these years. No. Yeah, you did.
0: I never said that. You did. I've never believed that or said that. Yeah. Um, But yeah, that's coming back on Fox. Um, There's no date for it, but they're saying as soon as this fall it could be. So, who knows?
1: Let's tell people, romantically speaking, X-Files was one of the things that got us together... Because we met on internet. True. Because on ICQ, you said on your little thing you liked X-Files, I was looking for someone. Because I was like that person on Sunday evening. I was living with my sister and my little nephew who was just a little dude at the time. Like around almost two years old. And on Sunday night, because I was like his nanny person. But Sunday night, whatever time it was, 7 or 8 o'clock, the door to my room... Get shut. Because any other time, I was with him 24-7, and I'd be like, I'm going in here. And I would take my probably glass of Pepsi and my big bowl of popcorn, because I, I was still drinking soda back then. And for that hour, I was like, holy oh, shit, I'm in it. You know, X-Files. And then if they had little marathons or uh, reruns, I would watch them. Then I found you, and we started talking about it. You had a wall of Jillian uh, Anderson in your room. As a grown man, it's kind of weird. So we had a website. We <laughs> had a website to... of <laughs> stolen pictures, we'll say now. But back in the nineties, uh it was kind of like Wild West territory. But um that was one of the first things we ever really talked a lot that's about. That's the reason
0: this site is called ascully.com. Correct. It's named after Agent Scully. It just stuck If People as a don't name. know
1: yeah. a Scully.
0: Nothing to do with movies in particular, but that's how it came about. I just kept that name.
1: So that's why you would I understand why you're so excited about the X Files.
0: So, yeah, X-Files is coming back. Uh, And the other thing was uh, Fargo is also coming back, the TV show Fargo, which was an amazing surprise show which came out last year, one season. It was fantastic. Actually fantastic, I would say. um, Agree. Everything about it was awesome. Uh, And they're doing another season. And they've cast Bruce Campbell this week as he's going to be playing Ronald Reagan Mm -hmm. in the new season, uh, which is interesting to me because it all takes place back in the 70s. Um, So yeah, Bruce Campbell, one of my favourites, is in Fargo. Uh, And then thirdly, and I thought, oh, you know, The X-Files is coming back, and Bruce Campbell's in the new Fargo. Nothing else could happen this week. That's awesome. (laughs) And then I've talked about this book before on on this podcast, uh, Ready Player One by Ernest Cline. It's my uh, favourite book I've read in, like, Forever. You know, I, I told you about it. I don't really want to discuss the story. No. It's a nerds, geeks... Wet dream. Yeah, it's about video games, <laughs> pop culture, and it's a story. It's a sci-fi story. Anyway, it's an awesome book. I've always thought that's that would make the most amazing movie you could ever possibly see. If they got the movie right and the right people did it and the licensing... Because there's a lot of things in the book... That you know of, like Transformers. There's all kinds of things in there that exist. It's
1: funny that in a book, you can talk about say anything you want you, yeah. want. you can describe it in detail. You've got the person... You, if you, As soon as you say he's drinking a can of Pepsi, or Pepsi One, or something, you know, classic Coke or whatever, you immediately have put that logo in your brain. You now see the character holding that can of Coke or Pepsi. But in a movie, if you want somebody to get a Pepsi, yeah,
0: it's you have to pay through. somebody
1: or get paid by somebody. Or if you want to use the logo of it, you have to, you know. If you say that, if you say he's listening to Huey Lewis in the news, you know, whatever, Sports. I want a new drug, yeah, <laughs> you immediately fill your brain in with that song, and that's fine. But if you want to play it in the movie, you have to.
0: I just thought what's interesting about Ready Player One is the whole book is permeated with Atari. And Atari video games and very specific Atari video games. And as we Atari are attacking Jeff Minter at the moment for copyright, saying that his game is too much like their game, and right, they're gonna have a field there if that if they don't negotiate with them properly for that movie. No kidding, because that movie's full of Atari. Um, but anyway, Ready Player One is being made into a movie, it has got a director. And I was always, I never thought about who would direct it, but I always thought to myself, if they make that movie. And it's just made on the cheap, or it's they just make it. You know what I mean? It wouldn't yep. be. It wouldn't be very good. But the director who they've announced is Steven Spielberg. Because you need somebody with clout
1: to be able to pull off a lot of what you've described yeah. from that book. Somebody who can say to somebody else, "We are doing this, no compromise."
0: And Steven Spielberg's the director, not just the producer or the executive producer. He's directing the movie. It's being done by DreamWorks through the. You know it, If it's handled correctly, it could be an amazing movie. Because it hits every single thing that today's internet generation type, but older. But even younger. I mean, all these things, Atari games, it's all come back, you know, people play retro games now and they're only like 20 years old and they're like, wow, what are these new things that I've discovered? You know, What's this
1: Grand Theft Auto 3 Vice
0: City? Well, no, more uh, like, what's this Pac-Man thing that I've discovered and nobody else knows about and I'm 20? That's pretty old. Yeah, well, that's what I'm saying. There's a resurgence of all that retro gaming, like, um, and to to kids who discover, you know, Pitfall on the Atari, to them, it's like, holy shit, nobody knows about this. Look at this; it's awesome.
1: I thought you thought I thought you said people, young people, hate that stuff because it's so. Out. It's become
0: it's becoming a thing. It's becoming a, right. Like, okay. all this stuff is cool, like retroy type thing. So, this movie, I'm going to be watching this closely. But I mean, I trust Steven Spielberg. He's not really. One to uh, mess things up. So uh, that's it for this week for me. So sit out, What's for dinner?
1: Well, I was debating because I get really bored with your particular favorite menu. But I think it's the easiest option. So it's going to be Morningstar Veggie Burgers, Mashed Potatoes. And tonight I'm going to get some more of that kale or we'll eat what I made last night. because it was fantastic. And Mashed Potatoes. Did I say Mashed Potatoes? Yeah, mashed already potatoes said that. Yeah. And kale and a burger. Maybe some carrots. Seems to go good together. That kale... I was totally impressed. It
0: was good. Yeah. Here's the instructions on Tastes the bag. a bit like cabbage or spinach.
1: Yeah. Like it's a, a f- mixture. Frozen bag of kale, and I've had it for a few weeks, thinking, uh, I don't know, because kale's tricky. I love it sometimes, and sometimes I'm like, oh, no wonder people turn their nose up at it. I get it. It's tough to get it just the way. If you don't like that natural bitter flavor. People like, Ugh. My uncle said, doctor told me I need to get healthy. I went out and bought a shitload of kale. I threw it in the pan like they said on the internet. He had somebody look it up for him. That tasted like shit. <laughs> and I was like, okay, so he'll probably never try it again, right? I put the frozen, veg- the frozen kale in the pan. It says on the bag to put like a half a cup of water, boil it, and strain it. Well, I had this coconut almond milk. So I poured like a cup of that in there. Chopped up a green onion. And that was it. I think a little salt and pepper. And then I just let it cook, cook, cook for like 15, 20 minutes. Kind of the milk evaporated a little bit. And it was absolutely, you're right, it had that spinach, but minus that
0: kind it's like of like cabbage and spinach mix. It's like a hybrid of that.
1: And a toned down version of yeah. both of them. I think because the almond milk kind of leveled it out. It had some sweetness and everything. So don't give up on kale, people. Tofu and kale. Don't give it up. So and- I think I'll make some more of that.
0: And your advice before we leave?
1: My advice is, I am. It's not advice. It is philosophy. I am. Therefore, I am. Right? It is not that complicated. Movies about space and theories about um, quantum physics. And I can't deny those things because I don't know that they're actually, reality
0: or not. Actually reminds me of Jimmy Carr's quote. <laughs> yes. <on the> <laughs> week. Well, what was his quote?
1: Uh, I know a good way of telling you.
0: Oh. If, I know I know a good way of telling you if your house is haunted or not. It isn't.
1: Right, exactly. <laughs> it isn't. Right? It <laughs> means black hole, not black holes. I I I don't know that they exist I assume from what I've seen, but as far as wormholes and quantum physics and the cat's not in the box unless you open the box and see the cat and the tree doesn't make a noise if you're not in the forest, these are quantum physics things that I can't hundred percent get behind because I don't know, right? What I do know is in my mind, in my physical experience that I'm convinced I'm in, I'm in it. And that is it. I don't have another layer or dimension. I don't have someone of the in my mind, I don't have a puppet up my ba- a puppet master up my back, I don't have someone in a higher place telling me and designing my life for me, none of that. I just am here. And in a in a universe that appears to be extremely indifferent. Not just, ex- you can't be extremely indifferent. You either are indifferent or you're not. It is indifferent. It's not hostile. It's not foreboding. It's not trying to kill us. It's not trying to keep us alive. It isn't wishing us well. It isn't hoping that we survive. It just is what it is. And we can figure things out and learn from it and maybe mind the resources. Fair enough. But it is what it is. I don't need to add any more to that.
0: Well, inquisitive minds out there, you can try and figure it out. No, I'm not saying
1: don't figure out what things are. Like, if we are starving, we need to find other food sources. Or we have energy issues, find something else that can power the things that we've invented. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about finding meaning and depth. That there's something meaningful in life. And I don't believe that's true. That sounds harsh. But my meaning in life is me and you having this conversation. And in this moment, I enjoy it. And in the next moment, we'll be done. And then later in the evening, we'll do another thing. And then tomorrow, i will do another thing. And next week, I'll go to work. And the meaning is what I do in that moment. Because I am. Therefore, I am right here. That is it.
0: All right. So my advice to you <laughs> this week. My advice for you to this week, I have some advice, <laughs> oh, is dear. to watch Interstellar. <laughs> So, thank you. So, um, I want to remind you about our website. It's ascoli.com, sidsaw.com. You can catch us on Twitter and Facebook. You can catch this podcast on stitcher.com. Search for After the Show, the iTunes Music Store, the RSS feed. Just go to ascoli.com, click on the word podcast. You can subscribe, whatever you like. Email feedback to me at ascoli.com. Don't email Sid Talk because she doesn't want any of your palaver. You mean nothing to her. <laughs> and stay classy, Mr. Matthew McConaughey and... Mr. Christopher Nolan, who in the extras <laughs> was in wearing waders but still wearing his suit, <laughs>
1: Yes. which was awesome, and standing in the very classy, <laughs> very classy. manner, <laughs> like Sherlock Holmes, with his hand uh, elbow up here and he's, his finger on his. He's t-tink.
0: in a lake in waders <laughs> with a suit on,
1: like the fishing. Wo- and everybody was, else is in like I think I'm as fishing boots because they it's yeah. his pants
0: that are fishing boots, yeah. and then you have the and everybody else is in mountaineering games. Yeah, exactly. He's in his suit. <laughs> he's got his suit tie. <laughs> and that's his trademark. And I always see him on the set, and he always is well dressed, Mark.
1: Classy. 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 And I'm going to say, think for yourselves, because if you don't do it, well, somebody will do it for you.